Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast, where we discuss the art, science, and application of high-performance strength and conditioning. Join Mike Perry and Brett Jones as they share invaluable experiences as veteran strength coaches, lecturers, and educators. Welcome to Season 4 of the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. My name is Mike Perry, and I'm here with my good friend, Brett Jones. Brett, how are things in your world, my friend? Fabulous. Fabulous. Um, just busy, and uh, but some sunshine on a winter day. Uh, I think there's a song about that. Um, or cloudy day. Or cloudy day. or I, I think we've had many songs about many days, uh, but... Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's fine. Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. Why do you ask? Fine. Good. <laughs> what does it stand for? Uh, what does it stand for again? What did you freaked say? It out, is? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about uh, sounds about right. Everybody that's, I know. Um, that's an Italian job quote, by the way. Um, the old, the original, uh, or the old, the original one, or the newer one? No, the Mark Wahlberg. Uh, okay. You know. There was one before that. Yeah, I, I oh, haven't I seen it. Yeah, so I'm fine. <laughs> well, good. Well, so am I. So let's do this. Um, you know what I am doing though? What's up? I, I have to share. Let's do it. I have to talk about my butt. Let's do it. I've never heard you so enthused. <laughs> um, I am fasting today. Had a boy. And I have my colonoscopy tomorrow. So Understood. I am uh I will start the process of, of, of medicine later this evening. I have a very important phone call at 9.15 that I should not take the prep prior to. So I've decided, even though I'm not following the rules, that I'm going to take the uh, the medicine later than prescribed. And if you, if you don't smell what I stepped in, stop by the house later. <laughs> <laughs> you will. <laughs> so So I'm doing that. Yeah, man. Uh, scans were clear last time, which is awesome. A um, little weird going in. You know, this is where uh, this is where I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. This is the place where I woke up and in and out of it and told me I had cancer. And I remember sort of remember calling you or texting you. I, I was in and out of it, but I remember I think it was calling you and you were the first yep. person I called besides obviously talking to my uh, talking to my wife. But it's just weird. But um, I feel hopeful, you know, I mean. Look, the first time I got some pretty bad advice. So at this point, like, I'm not saying it can't get worse, but like, you know, yeah. Anywho, but let's just hope it goes well. I feel good. I feel healthy. Um, I'm grateful, man. So yeah, just, uh, just going to uh, have, have a, a restless night of sleep and be a little dehydrated tomorrow and have a nice nap and hopefully no surprises. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I haven't had as many colonoscopies and, and uh, things as you've had. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I did do three within a year and uh, I get to take a three year break until I have my next one. And, uh, yeah, you know, the prep is the prep. You, you take the pills, you spend a lot of time in the bathroom, and uh, then you go to sleep. Like, I'm good going to sleep. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's a great nap too. Yeah. Um, it's a fantastic nap. Um, yeah. And then when you wake up, you just don't want to hear any news, yeah. any bad news. 
Yeah. Isn't so, that the uh, stuff that uh, Michael Jackson OD'd on? What is it? Polypropanol? Is that what it is? Yeah. It's uh, amnesiac. Uh, it, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it, popular with the anesthesiologist and uh, obviously does a heck of a job. Fantastic. Um, fantastic yeah. job of, oh, yeah. of napping. Um, yes. So, so. But yeah, yeah fingers crazy, crossed man. for you, man, and just uh, just get her done. And um, yeah, that's. Uh... Let's talk about something different. For those of you that can't see me, I'm doing the fingers crossed thing. I yeah, I have my uh, four year scans coming up in uh, May. Well, let's hope it's as clean as a whistle. Indeed. So. I actually started our call today by saying I had a topic in mind versus our meticulously researched uh, typical topics that we cover. Uh, this was a request that came in from an email and uh, basically was like, hey, you guys haven't talked about how to prep for the uh, SFG or the strong first snatch test. And I'm like, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Let's, uh, let's talk about that because over the past... 20 plus years. And I've been in this long enough where we didn't have a snatch test in the beginning. That was something that came about because, and and we'll just start with why, right? Why does strong first have a snatch test? Um, a, it is to make sure that you have put the time in and have the conditioning necessary to make it through the weekend. If you can pass a snatch test, we know you have a uh, enough overhead stability and conditioning uh, to be able to make it through the the very intense three-day weekend of the SFG1. Uh, two, it's a gut check. And, you know, in life, our current lives, we have very few rites of passage. We have very few gut checks. Uh, and so, you know, it functions in both of those, uh, both of those areas. We used to do it first thing, Friday morning. Everybody line up, get your snatch test done. Uh, what we started to realize was um, not everybody's technique was not, perhaps not as dialed in as we would have preferred for the snatch test. Uh, so we moved it to Sunday. And if you don't pass your snatch technique test, you don't get to take your snatch test. And so that's kind of, you know, and there's been different iterations of the test over the years. Used to be body weight in kilograms um, would be the number of snatches. And then you uh, got one hand switch. So you could be doing 40 to 50 reps in a row on one hand and then having to switch and come back on the other side. Uh, then we came to the 100 reps in five minutes and you can set the bell down. You can switch hands as much as you want. You know, you can use as much chalk as you want. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the the little bit of the history and the uh, um, why behind the snatch test. Yeah, Um I'm going to be honest in here. Some people will probably get upset with this, but um, it's not that hard. <gasps> no, 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 seriously. And and, and here's why, um, you know, you know, it's coming. It's not like it's a surprise. Right. And uh, uh, here's why people fail. Um, ego. They think they're ready and they're hoping that a Hail Mary on the weekend of it's going to happen. It's called a Hail Mary for a reason because the probability of it actually working is very, very small. So you're just gambling against yourself. I mean, that's what a lot of people do. I'll just figure it out when I get there or, you know, I'll I'll, I'll pass it there. No, no, you won't. 
So I think it's just simply lack of preparation. Like if you sign up and it's in three months and you know what you're supposed to do and you fail, that's on you. Don't like blame like, oh, it's too heavy. Well, no, you you signed up, right? So you have to just understand what you're getting yourself into and then give yourself enough time. If you're not sure, don't sign up. Right? Just throwing it out there, but like, it's very, very simple. Like you just have to put in the time and 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 uh, don't rush the process because for some people, like I never couldn't with the snatch test guys, I could just do it. It was easy for me. Some people it's not, right? So some people have to spend a lot more time, but I will say this, the people that fail, usually they rush the process that they think they're better than they are and they're afraid to have someone help um, or um, they just move like trash. That's one of them. They can't get into the positions. They can't lock their, you know, they can't lock out overhead. They can't get into a deep squat. Their ankles are gunk and all of their movements look like absolute trash and their standards and the quality of movement is just gross. And let's be honest, if your movement as an instructor, as a coach is trash, well, guess what? Your clients are going to spit that right back at you and they're going to emulate what you do. And then I think lastly, um, just a lot of people aren't strong enough yet and they need to spend some more time doing the basics before they specialize in other things. And I think uh, those three things are the biggest barriers um, to the snatch test. I, I, again, it's not that hard. When you've done the TSC <laughs> or when you've done the secret service snatch test, uh, snatch test, which Derek Chrysler, uh, one of our coaches did, he did... 200 and like 940 or some ridiculous time. But like, look, it's, it's only hard when that is all you sort of have a reference point of like, remember we've talked about heavy kettlebells, right? A 32 back in the day, the pumpkin, right? That was the biggest kettlebell on the planet. And now that's like your, that's like pretty much like your starting weight, right? With a yeah. lot of stuff. Yep. So, so, so my point is, is that like, once you, if you set a certain, ceiling that's always going to be the hardest thing but when you see people doing crazy things you're like huh, it's not that bad so it's an awesome thing to do but the cool thing is that if you put your time in you learn your technique um you're gonna you're gonna realize wow it's not that bad if you actually just prepare accordingly and it's a lot easier to keep once you get there so let me speak to that idea of it's not that hard real quick because there's there's somebody listening to this for whom the snatch test is their white whale. The snatch yes. test is their four-minute mile. And the thing you need to realize about the four-minute mile, I won't talk about the white whale, but the thing you need to realize about the, the, uh, the four-minute mile is that once Bannister broke that record, a lot of other people broke that record. Mm -hmm. So... The idea of doing this might seem insurmountable to you. It is your four-minute mile. It is your, you know, I just don't know how this thing is possible. And then you do it and you're like, oh, okay, I can do this. And so there's a there's definitely a mental aspect to this. If you, especially if you've never pushed yourself the way a five-minute snatch test is going to push you. Um, and that there you can see some variance on, you know, what people lean towards. Um, I've always been a little more of a strength athlete than a conditioned athlete. Uh, so, you know, there were aspects of hitting a snatch test that were <clears throat> uncomfortable to me. Um, but again, if it's your four minute mile and you've never done it, nothing is going to help you more than doing it. Mm -hmm. And then once you've done it, once you broke that barrier, 
you'll know that you can do this. So keep that in mind. So when Mike says, you know, hey, it's not that hard. Yeah, it's it's not that hard after you've done two, three, four of them. And you're like, yeah, all right, okay, I got this. If it's your four minute mile, yeah, you're thinking you guys are nuts. You can break the four minute mile. You you can accomplish the snatch test. So to Mike's point, uh, and this is just always, um, I've finally, after 25 plus years in practice, I can boil down my training philosophy into kind of four points. Movement quality matters. Strength is primary. Um, now I can't remember the, the, the four. Um, don't feed them after midnight. And there was one other one, water, right? Don't get them wet. Yes. That's it's, it. All right. It's perfect. The, the gremlins, uh, thing, but you know, the, the snatch test fits into those priorities, um, very, very well. So, um, a check your movement quality box, make sure that you're moving well enough. You have the overhead positioning. You can sit into your hinge. It is a little more vertical sort of movement. Uh, B, make sure you're strong enough. You know, if you're, if you're trying to snatch the 24 for a hundred reps and it still feels heavy to you, yeah, you got problems. Uh, that 24 kilo needs to be a 60% weight, not an 80 or 90% weight. So you need to be comfy snatching the 32, not for a snatch test, but you need to be comfy snatching the 32 for a little bit of volume to make the 24 feel like the 24 needs to feel like, mm -hmm. um, and then strategy. Um, you know, we'll talk training plans here in just a minute, but your strategy going in, um, the, the easiest strategy to go with, because I don't like counting, I don't like numbers, 10 and 10, top of the minute, rest till the top of the next minute, do that five times. Five times 20, carry the one. 100 reps. 14. No, yeah, I wait, what? Um, so... Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about setting the baseline for this and and where what's our what's our starting point? Check the movement box, make sure the strength is there, uh, and then make sure your your conditioning and your 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 quality uh, comes along with it. Yeah, and and thank you for clarifying that because I'm not trying to be a jerk. And uh, if you email me, well, I don't respond to emails anyway, so I'm not going to look. Um, but no, honestly. Um, for some people, the snatch test is a mental thing. And the idea of getting certified as a kettlebell instructor is a mental block. And, and for a lot of people, what they don't realize is the mental block is the reason why they have a physical block, right? Because they're so hyper-focused. Like I remember I've been there. I was the guy that's like, I didn't care about the journey. I didn't care about the weekend. I was so hyper-focused on passing the snatch test that I bypassed a lot of the learning and the enjoyment of the training process. But at the same time, um, I was a little, um, I was so fixated on the competition that I forgot to enjoy the entire thing. And, 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 uh, my point is, is that, um, you know, it's good to do hard things, right. And, uh, it's good to attempt things that are going to be challenging for you both mentally and physically. And, and I think for a lot of people, um, the decision to to go get a, a kettlebell certification is something that intimidates them. And my point is, is that, um, you know, maybe for those individuals, the mental snatch test of signing up and actually putting their name down for that certification is actually the first step in preparing their body and their mind to physically perform the snatch test. 
I, I, yeah, the mental aspect of this is, is really important. And, um, to the, to those people that are listening who maybe have not passed a snatch test and this has been their, their, their barrier. Um, I think I've said this before and I'll, I'll probably reference it again. Um, the greatest predictor of success in quitting smoking is having tried quitting smoking before. And that, that applies actually to a lot of things in life that the key to being successful in it is having tried to do that thing before. So don't be worried. You know, uh, Edison, there's a famous Edison quote is, uh, I didn't fail 99 times. I just, how I did, I know how not to make a light bulb 99 ways. You yeah. Know, finally figured it out. So, okay. Movement quality, uh, be strong enough and be able to snatch a heavier bell. Um, make sure you can actually be powerful. And then in the programming, we got to have a little bit of conversation on the energy systems that are involved here because the five-minute snatch test will push you very glycolytic. It's not a comfortable thing. Um, it might be, quote, easy, but I don't know that it's comfortable. Um, you're you're, you're going you're gonna to burn a little bit in, in getting this done. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm going to break. I'm going to give you my kind of uh, broad strokes training template. Uh, and then Mike has written many programs on this. And uh, so we'll, we'll kind of compare, contrast and, and see where we, where we line up. Um, number one, lighter, because if the, if you've never accomplished the snatch test at the 24, have you done it at the 20? Have you done it at the 16? So why are you expecting yourself to hit it at the 24 when you've never done it with the 16 or 20? So one of the first training days that I talk about it is a lighter volume day. Get used to being in this neighborhood, right? But with a lighter weight. And when we go with a lighter weight and we start hitting a 70% effort, the energy system conversation becomes very different. You can accomplish a lot more at that lighter weight uh, and, and actually know, I know I can do 100 reps in five minutes. Now I just need to increase my strength and power to be able to do it at 24. So a lighter volume day where you play around with some higher reps, you know, you're going to do 10 and 10 for your snatch test. Well, have you done 20 and 20? You know, push beyond a little bit so that you know what that feels like. And now you know you've got 20 reps in you, 10, pretty easy um, for each hand. And so a light, higher volume day where we play around some higher reps. Uh, day two would be a heavy swing day. So if you're going to snatch the 24, I think you need to be swinging the, at least the 32 to be able to get the impact of what a 24 kilo snatch is going to do to you. So if you're prepping for a 24 kilo snatch test, swinging at least the 32, and now let's just treat it like we're training for uh, timed simple from Simple and Sinister. Our goal is to hit 10 reps every 30 seconds for five minutes. Now, treat it timeless. Let that progress very naturally. Okay. Day three would be a heavy snatch day. So you've got your, you, you want to pass a snatch test with a 24. You need to be doing something kind of axe related with at least a 28, maybe even the 32 kilo. It's lower rep. You're going to get plenty of rest. But the way that's going to increase your power 
and get that base metabolic conditioning going is really going to pay off in the snatch test. And then day four is timeless snatches with the goal weight, if possible. If you're not ready for the goal weight, then your timeless snatch day is with four kilos or eight kilos under. And you're going to just make progress. And as you check at the box at each weight, reset, change your weights, start again. So timeless strategy, um, game changer as far as I'm concerned. And I was so excited for Pavel to finally publish the second edition of Simple and Sinister because I had been testing timeless for a while before that. It really changed my training, really changed everything that I was doing. Now, in the end, yes, we're probably going to have to peak. So if you can do a timeless snatch test, 10 reps times 10 sets, switching hands each set, in sub seven and a half minutes, then I think the density peaking strategy that I have in the uh, SFG1 prep program I think that's what's going to kick you over the edge and uh, make the snatch test pretty easy. Because if you follow that to the T, you actually do more than you do six minutes of 10 and 10. Um, so you know you can go an, a minute beyond what you need to do. Um, so that's how I would structure a snatch test training program. Yeah. And and again, if uh, I like how you're coming at it from sort of different stem days and different modalities, not different modalities, but you got your two-handed swing day. And, and so I love the fact that you're obviously it's dynamic hinging, but you're pairing obviously certain exercises with certain sort of load stimulus, right? So two-handed swings could be a heavy day or a light day, but I, so if you kind of look at what Brett's doing, he's actually waving the load from a volume standpoint, but also waving the load from a hinge standpoint, which is another sort of way to look at specialized variety, right? It's all supposed to help the same thing. So, um, there's an art and a science to that. Uh, but, but I think that at the end of the day, you kind of have to chip away at things, uh, at sort of different angles and in different ways. And, if you keep on doing that, I think eventually you'll, you'll, you'll eventually get to that point where you can peak, but that baseline information is super important. So, um, a while ago, I'm trying to, I'm actually on the strong first site. Uh, I don't know when I put this article out, but it's the, uh, a solid game plan for, for acing the snatch test. And I put this out a long time ago and I, this is something that I, I stumbled upon, to be honest. Um, I didn't, I didn't really know as much as, uh, about energy system development or, um, to be honest, really didn't understand a ton of programming as well as I do now. But um, what I did do is I took this idea of of truly understanding um, how we can look at a minute of time and manipulate things to get different responses within that minute. And that's how I started to look at um, energy system development early on. I said, well, if I do something for a minute, you know, it, the intensity is going to matter, but also the work to rest ratio is going to matter. So um, early on when I was training a bunch of professional um, soccer players, I, I put together this training protocol and it was always 20 minutes and it was very, very simple. It was, um, you know, it was uh, 50 seconds of a light jog, 10 seconds of a higher tempo run. And they would do that for three weeks. And then we would manipulate variables again, 45, 15s. And do the same thing, 40, 20s, right? And and we'd eventually kind of look at those intervals and invert. Um, and now at a certain point, the the intervals do not invert because people will be murdered. And uh, a big part of that was trial and error. But um, that's kind of how I did it early on. So I had this idea of looking at 
you know, how to make up a minute and how we can look at those work to rest ratios and how we can manipulate things to make it simple, repeatable over time and easy to follow. And then if you know how to manipulate the intervals and then you understand, well, the cadence, how many repetitions do you need in X amount of minutes to get to 100 via the snatch test? Then you can start to really think about some ways to pair your intervals with cadence work. And that's kind of how it was born. It was it was literally born through just me messing around and being like, this feels pretty good because I was a I was a I would say I was an above average athlete. I wasn't a high level athlete, but I was above average athlete. So I kind of did a lot of trial and error with a lot of the things that I did. I was like, well, if I can do this, guys that are more athletic and stronger are going to do more <laughs> and guys that aren't are going to do a little bit less. And that's that's how a lot of my programming happened. And then I started basically saying, well, how can I apply this to the snatch test? And then I wrote this entire article and it's based off of that is, and it's the same thing as, Hey, let's make sure you've been there with a lighter weight or, you know, if it's not with a lighter weight, let's just make sure that you can do a hundred in X amount of time. Like it, show me you've spent some time just doing it before we actually get into specificity. And that's really the, the whole idea of GPP and SPP, but that's another conversation. But my point is, is you got to spend a little bit of time to just show me you can accomplish the volume in a reasonable amount of time. And that's why when I wrote this initial one, I think I said, um, I think it was, if you can do 110 minutes, you can start this program, right? With a, with a 24 or with your testing weight, because Again, you just have to be able to show that you can at least do the work in a reasonable amount of time. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things I want to uh, capitalize on there is you you mentioned cadence. So let's let's talk about that for just a minute because it gets into the strategy and the cadence uh, sort of aspects of, of things. And when we say cadence, musicians hear tempo. <laughs> okay. Because from an exercise standpoint, uh, we flip the definitions. Um we, we, when we talk about tempo from an exercise standpoint, we're usually talking about the timing of the concentric pause and eccentric or eccentric pause and concentric depends on the exercise. Um, but the, uh, cadence would be the, how, how often those repetitions are happening. Um, musicians talk tempo. They're talking about how often the, the beats are happening, you know, beats mm -hmm. per minute. Um, from an exercise standpoint, uh, and cadence, like if somebody said, I'm, I'm running at 180 steps per minute, we would recognize that very easily as the cadence of that, uh, that running, mm -hmm. that would be 180 beats per minute tempo from a music standpoint, just so we're clear. So any musicians don't lose, don't, don't blow a fuse. Uh, but the cadence really matters. And I think what I have seen over the years uh, as the biggest mistake is going with too high of a cadence for the snatch test. You're basically just sprinting the whole time. Sprint up a flight of stairs. You're out of breath at the top. I don't care how in shape you are, right? If you, if you really sprint up a flight of stairs, you will be huffing and puffing at the top. Do you really want to go through your snatch test like that? You don't have to. You can pace and learn your cadence and and get a metronome and pace yourself on a metronome. And you're going to, and if you set it, this would be a little slow, but if you set it for a rep every three seconds, you're going to be amazed at how long three seconds are. <laughs> 
Cause you're going to be holding that lockout and be like, can I really not snatch again yet? Like I've, I've been here forever. Uh, so have some, spend some time messing with your cadence and knowing that you've got a good lockout uh, and realize that if you're knocking off a rep every two seconds or so, you're going to have a just fine snatch test. You don't need to be going at a higher cadence than that. And, you know, 20 reps, two reps per second, 40 seconds, 20 seconds of rest. You know, the numbers become pretty easy. Uh, but what most people do is they're trying to knock out those 20 reps in 30 seconds and sprinting as hard as they can and then wondering why the hell they're, you know, um, you know tired. Uh, and why does this hurt so bad? Well, you're trying to sprint the entire thing. So um, definitely, you know, understand your cadence, work on your cadence. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. So uh, obviously we could we could talk days about the actual programming, but um, let's talk about sort of common mistakes we see and, and sort of reasons why people uh, have a tough time. So I'm going to I'm going to get started right away. Um, a lot of people have absolute trash shoulder mobility, and they're attempting to sign up for a workshop that requires exceptional shoulder mobility. So right away, if yours is trash, clean it up before you go overhead, because here's what's going to happen. We've seen it all the time, right? Brett, the different types of reasons people can't lock out. One, they go too fast and they 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 are just simply going too fast. Two, um, they actually can't lock out and they do this weird like 15 degree forward hinge thing and their arm goes behind their head. They're actually still in a hinge. So we see that or we see the people that have no stability overhead and the second the bell transitions and flips, it just shakes their entire body and it just like literally their arm kind of, you can see when they lock out, their, their shoulder is holding on for dear life. They have no stability there. They've never spent any amount of time there, right? Um, and uh, I, I think the last one is again the the, the just the tight shoulders, which um, you know, yes, if you have an injury, you can't get overhead. That's one thing. But just a lot of people they're they're going into this thinking, hey, I'm going to do snatches, and all I have to do is practice snatches. But there are some there are some prerequisite uh, sets of mobility that you need to have. And, and I, I would argue, yes, the toe touch and, you know, straight leg raise is good. But I mean, look, if you can't get that arm locked out overhead and, you know, bicep to ear, right. With, without any sort of compensation and, and throwing your low back out or your elbows bending, um, it's time to step back and clean that stuff up because you're just going to be banging away and it simply will not work. So you got to clean up that shoulder, that shoulder mobility. And then once it's cleaned up, you're going to have to hang out there for a while. You need to do variations, you know, do snatches, do a snatch into a march, do a snatch into a walk, do overhead carries. Just you have to get your body acclimated to being overhead in various ways, because that's how you're going to build true durability in your shoulders, right? So you want to be able to do carries, get-ups, heavyweights, low weights, you name it. You want to train that shoulder so you can like going above head is just like, it's another day, you know, it's another day in the park type thing. And that's a huge, huge thing. It's like, if you're not comfortable overhead, like if you can't walk with a kettlebell overhead for a minute, I'm just making up sort of numbers here. But like, if you can't walk with a 24 overhead for a minute, um, you know, maybe, maybe you have to work on your mobility and your capacity before anything else. 
Yeah. I mean, check the box on T-spine mobility. Make sure that you got good scapular stability. Build your getup. Build your military press. Uh, master the clean. Mm -hmm. uh, take it into the snatch. And so if you're skipping the foundational stuff that I just that I just ran through and you you can't go overhead, yeah, um, get ready for a really miserable snatch test uh, and one that you're probably going to fail or potentially have some problems in, in trying to accomplish it. So, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the one of the big areas. Um, the, the, the other area, which I, I, I think I already mentioned, is just you know you might have come in with a plan and then you change it at the last minute so you snatch vic victory from the jaws of uh, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory and uh make sure that you you have a bad experience there um you know know your cadence know your strategy stick to it and then just technique get with a coach get with an sf get with a strong first instructor and just Learn and master the technique. And um, this, for, for really knocking off a confident snatch test, it's it's a 70, 80% effort. If knocking off 100 reps is still 100, 105% effort for you, yeah, it's going to be miserable. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, put your time in. And, you know, for the, for the swings, um, especially for the snatches, um, I, uh, one arm swings were a little more part of the, the program that I was talking about, but, uh, loading up a heavy two arm swing and making sure. So like if you're doing 32 kilo one arm swings to get ready for your 24 kilo snatch test, then having a 36 or 40 kilo two arm swing day where you're pushing that volume a little bit, it, it all of that is just going to make that 24 kilo snatch test feel way mm -hmm. more achievable. Yeah. Um, so Light, higher volume, um, one arm swing, heavier than the snatch test bell, heavier snatches than the snatch test bell, axe style, um, timeless with the goal weight, and uh, put that in the mix there and know, know where your weak spots are. You know, if you're still trying to knock off five military presses with each arm with the with the uh, with your snatch test size bell. You have a strength gap. You need to get stronger. Don't expect your snatch test to be easy breezy if you're still struggling to press your snatch test bell for five reps on each arm. So is it a conditioning thing? Is it an energy system thing? Is it a technique thing? Is it a strength thing? Yeah. Be able to put your put the put the bullseye on the right thing, the right target. And then as you check those boxes and as those things come above the minimums, you know, you should have a pretty good snatch test. Um, hand care, uh, managing hand stress. So as you begin to snatch for volume, you will take on some hand stress. Now, this is actually one of the great things about the light, higher volume snatch work is it's going to help condition your hands at a load that isn't going to tug on your skin the same way. And you can actually build the, uh, capacity toughness of the hands that you need to be able to handle the the snatch test. Mm -hmm. The heavy snatch work at low reps is going to stress the hands in a different way, again, increasing their capacity to handle the stress of the snatch test. The timeless work where you give yourself enough rest in between sets 
is again going to really help with that snatch uh, the skin tolerance. But none of that matters if your technique is trash. Mm -hmm. If that bell is sliding around in your hand and it's ripping skin and it's pulling, like stick with swings for now <laughs> and get to a coach and get your technique uh, built up. Um, I use a uh, foot callus scraper. Uh, looks like a microplaner, but for feet. And I use that on calluses for my hands and keep them filed down. And it works, works great. Kenneth Bolliard has a uh, article coming up soon and, and uh, another strategy that he uses to keep the skin managed uh, for the snatch test. So that's a big one. If your hands tear, and here's the greatest hand beyond technique and you know building the skin tolerance and the other ways that, that we talked about. The most important aspect of hand care is be willing to stop. If you feel a hot spot coming on, stop. Go to swings. Don't go to the tear. But I can't tell you to take your hand off the hot stove. If but you're going to keep putting your hand on it, nothing I can I do I disagree. Because how are we going to embrace the grind? <laughs> how are we supposed to embrace the grind and show like on social media that we're working hard? Like, right. how are we supposed to do that? Uh, well, your social media is probably going to take a little bit of a hit, but your hands are going to be happier. See? And that's what it's all about. <laughs> so with that, guys... Thank you guys. Honestly, we appreciate your time. Um, yeah. Take care of your hands and uh, guys, we've been doing this for a long, long time. And uh, I think we know a few things about the, the snatch test, but take your time, do the work. Um, just slow down a little bit. Enjoy it. Um, you got to enjoy it, right? If you're getting into kettlebells, <laughs> hopefully it's because you enjoy it. It's not because it's like a dare or someone, you know, you did it because you don't like it. But point being is um, guys, Take care of it. Have a lot of fun with it. Um, the If you enjoy kettlebell training and you take care of your hands, you can train more. And that's pretty darn awesome. So anyways, guys, thank you so much. We truly appreciate your support. Do us a favor and leave us a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to. And we will see you on the next episode. Hey, everybody. Coach Mike here. Thank you so much for your support. We truly appreciate it. If you could do us a huge favor, please give us a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to. And also, please share this with your friends, colleagues, teammates, and fitness enthusiasts. Thank you again for supporting the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.